Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm not Dom, I'm Sarah. And tonight's movie for debate is the year 2000's Scream 3. So hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast where it's always 10.30 at night, so time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Scream Free. Sarah, we are here. How are you, my friend? I am good and ready to go for this Halloween movie. Excellent. Yes, this is our Halloween special. Uh, Dom can't make it on this one he's uh is under the weather which is very unlike him we all know he is the tin man that has no heart so he's able to continue and never be affected by any kind of illnesses but he has been somehow so he sends his apologies uh, and also jay was going to be on this episode as well but also uh can't make it for different reasons um but yeah so you and I, Sarah, this is, is it's as if this was meant to happen. It was meant to be. We're meant to be here, you and I, and talk about Scream Free. So before we get into the movie itself, what is your history, memories? When did you first see it? Tell talk to me about your history of Scream Free. Okay, I don't exactly remember. I'm gonna say I probably saw it in the movie theater. Because it was 2000, so I was uh, out of college at that point, um, and I had seen the other two in the movie theater. So I definitely saw the movie theater. There's a lot of people in this cast that I didn't remember were in the cast that were not as big as they became after this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I knew a lot of them, which is probably why I went because I was like, "Oh, how are they going to mix all these new actors and actresses in? Most of them get killed, but that's fine." right but yeah do you you remember your opinion of it like your first opinion i felt that at this point it started getting a little campy Mm -hmm. um i definitely think the first two were scarier than this one i think that happened in elm street also wes craven when he did elm street like as it the more that they did the more campy it got okay Okay. Well, good. Well, we will talk definitely all about all of that. I I have to first say that I need to do a retcon. I had some memories. I was trying to think about the first time that I watched this movie and I sort of managed to order some memories that I think I'd got out of order. So when I spoke about Scream 1 and Scream 2. So firstly, if you don't know, of course, we have already covered the first Scream and the second one. So scroll down in the timeline in the feed and you will find it in there somewhere i think the first screen we did a particularly good job on not to say we didn't on the second one but i feel like I remember when they're scrolling just look for october because we did them both around halloween there you go excellent yeah and drew barrymore herself introduced that episode massive massive flex of course we have you to thank for that sarah um but yeah so i I remembered that the first Scream, if my memory serves me correctly, I actually watched it with my dad. And the reason was because this was one that 
so I was born in 1987. The first Scream, I think, came out in 96. Then the second one in 97. And then this one in the year 2000. Uh, which is quick for like three movies to come out in a span of four years is is really quick, isn't it? Um, but the so the first screen would have come out when I was like nine. I didn't watch it when I was nine. I probably watched it when I was about thirteen. But I remember everyone was people were talking about it at school, uh, or I'd sort of heard about it through whatever. And this was one where I wasn't allowed to watch it on my own. So I'd like sat down and watched it with my dad, and then he really enjoyed it. So we ended up watching the screen movies together. But I think in the first screen episode podcast episode, I said that someone had spoiled it for me at school. That was actually the second scream. I can I can remember it now. That it, I was sat in a classroom at school and this guy at school told me everything that happened in the second scream. And then I think I actually ended up watching it with him like later at some point at his house or whatever. And then the third scream, this one, I remember watching with my dad. So <laughs> that brings it full circle. And I remember my dad and I really enjoying it and I remember it being he probably was having maybe a bit of a sigh of relief that there was probably less this one was like less graphic than the first ones because I also remember the first scream there were like two cuts of it there was the cut that I had seen uh when I when I first saw it and then there was the other cut cut maybe pun slightly intended because at the opening scene when Drew gets killed her boyfriend has his like torso slit and in the like uncut version you're literally seeing like organs and guts and things coming out right like into his hands and on his oh no his hands are tied like onto his lap or whatever and I remember being at like a sleepover when I was probably like 13 14 and someone like oh I've got the uncut version on VHS and we just literally watched that one scene to see all of his you know, to see all his guts come out. You know what 13, 14 year old boys are like. Well, yes, you definitely, you definitely do. As you, you have one, right. Um, so yeah, some of those memories just sort of came back to me when I was watching this movie and sort of thinking about it and getting it all in order. Um, so yeah, I wanted to wreck on it from our previous podcast episodes. Uh, but yeah, I remember watching it. I remember enjoying it and watching all three of these movies quite a lot and thinking of them as a succinct trilogy. And then obviously the fourth one come, came out in 2011. Um, and I actually watched that one with F in the cinema. We won't talk about that yet because that's way off. That's next October. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed, I remember thinking of them as a free piece, enjoying all three of them, but this one, always in my memory was the lesser of the three and I thought it went in order as the first one's the best one second one is also good the third one is fun-ish maybe kind of we'll talk about why some of the stuff doesn't work um but yeah so Sarah did you know that this movie was at the mercy of the internet so this movie is so it's like a a miracle that it's even it even makes sense, you know, that it is even sort of any like logical in any way because they were literally writing the scenes on the day of shooting. And the reason why was because the internet was beginning to get prevalent in the year 2000. And every time they would have a script that night, it would be on the internet and it would be in forums and fans would be, you know, knowing who the killers were. So they had to keep re- rewriting it. They shot most of the scenes multiple different ways. Like they'd shoot like the same scene 
three different ways so that the killer could be three different people. Um, Which you kind of feel throughout the whole movie that it is, well, possibly two, but not the actual one that it was. Right, exactly. And that's because there were so many different times that, oh, actually, we're like at one point, Patrick Dempsey was going to be the killer. At another point, the the girl that's playing Sydney in Stab Free was going to be the killer. At another point, it was going to be whoever, whoever, like it might be the dad, like Sydney's dad. Like they were really so unsure. And uh, so they were really like behind. And there was a lot of like references in the movie to saying that you know they're getting the the oh this the, the, like the script for stab free it's changed again like you're rewriting scenes and it was all like self-referential to the actual experience of making screen free so yeah a lot of it was all up in the air so it's actually kind of astonishing that there's actually something there that does actually make sense well the two does people it? the two people you mentioned were the two that you thought it was the whole time well, did you remember who the killers were? I remembered who it was. But as I was watching it and analyzing it, I'm like, wow, they really want you to think it's Patrick Dempsey. Mm-hmm. Or then they're well, like, oh, they really want you to think it's Emily Mortimer because she's still there. She's hiding in the mm-hmm. bathroom or whatever. Like those were the two people that they really made you think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because it was kind of rushed and because they were... They literally had the guy that was writing it. So it's obviously based on Kevin Williamson's characters, but they had Aaron Kruger writing it because Kevin Williamson was writing other stuff or working on Dawson's Creek or whatever it may be. So this guy, Aaron Kruger, would literally be on set in an office writing the, writing the scenes, printing it out, and they would be taking it out and filming it, which is absolutely crazy. Patrick Dempsey was cast the night before filming and then the next day he had his three main scenes with like all of the monologues and him talking to Sydney so that was all it was all crazy um Nev Campbell was only available for 20 days to shoot this because she was shooting two other things at the same time one was party of five and one was the drowning Mo- drowning Mona or something like that that was a movie, yeah. Right. And so she was shooting those two things. So they only had her for 20 days. And on both of those other two projects, she had two different hairstyles. So they had to keep her in a wig in Scream Free um, because she's trying to maintain all these different hairstyles. So that was all crazy as well. So the, the whole production was kind of plagued with all of these uh, issues. And they were also being forced to try and have a like a lower rating, so that's why there there is blood in it. I, I think. Yeah, I'd when I was watching, it. I was like, "Oh, you kept saying there's no blood. There is blood." Yeah, I thought that there wasn't for some reason, but there was. I was like, "There, there's blood in here," but I guess it's just not like, you know, when they like Drew Barrymore's parents are finding her hanging from a tree. I just can't remember her name, the character's name, but you know, in Scream One or Casey, yes. you know. Yes, Casey Becker is coming back to me now. Yeah, well, you know, her boyfriend, Steve, he's got his guts hanging. It's not as graphic as that. So I think they're trying to keep to, you know, a lower rating. 
the script is non-existent it's having to change the internet keeps finding out you know who the killers are and and this that and the other they're having to cast people late they've got their main protagonist only for like 20 days of of shooting it's a lot of things going on that's a lot of trivia that i did not know most of that and it makes a difference when you watch it again are you ever gonna watch it again sarah maybe <laughs> i mean this was probably like watching it for this was probably maybe my i don't know fourth or fifth time watching it okay straight so through how many times do you think you've seen the first one uh, maybe the same amount okay so it doesn't it's not like the first one or second one holds much higher regard for you no but i remember them more like I could I could plot out the entire first two movies. This one I was like, oh right, I forgot about that part. I forgot Jenny McCarthy, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um what what is good about it was interesting. So I listened to the DVD commentary, which I, I said about that on the last two screams as well. I really recommend it. People it's on YouTube, just type in Scream Free, One, Two, whatever, commentary, Wes Craven and it's brilliant. You can just listen to it like as if you're listening to a podcast and they're watching a movie and just talking to you and telling you about why they cast this person. You know, basically all of the things that I'm telling you now, but in way more detail. It's really it's a really good listen. Really interesting. Um but I was listening to that today in preparation for this, and Wes Craven was saying on there that he wanted to play with the theme in this of that he was often told by critics that why are you putting out so much violence in your movies do you not think that is going to have an effect on the people that are watching it you know like that that classic kind of uh argument or debate and so he plays with that a lot through the screen movies in the first one matthew lillard's character you know is like i'm gonna blame it on the movies you know uh no, that uh, this, the Timmy Oliphant's character just says that as well, doesn't he? In the second one, he's going to blame it on the movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matthew Lillard's character is like, I wa- you know, watched a couple movies. I-, I don't know. It's played in there. And then in this one, he wanted to be like, have that happening, but within the confines of the movie that's actually being shot within the cast. I mean, what, what did you think of that as like a storyline or a plot device? Having the movie within the movie? Yeah, the movie within the movie, but then the actual movie that they're filming is playing out to the actual people that's cast in the fake movie. Oh, because they started killing them in the order that they... Because they're get Yeah, they're getting killed and yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like it was number three, so they had to do something completely different. Where at the beginning of the second movie, they're going to watch Stab one mm-hmm. or two or whatever and then this one they're like oh well now let's just get that involved in the movie i thought it was funny how they had courtney cox and parker posey pretty much like you're gail and i'm playing gail like i liked that kind of or when uh what's her name met sydney emily mortimer i don't even mm-hmm. i don't even know if they they never even met they were going to the house at the same time but they never actually crossed paths oh no they met in the bathroom mm-hmm. but I, that stuff i liked although i do think it can c- confuse people yeah, you have to pay attention. Yeah, you know what confused me about this, and maybe it was referenced in it. 
But the girl that, what did you say her name was? Emily, Emily Mortimer. Mm-hmm. Right. That's playing Sydney in Stab Free. They're saying, that her other castmates are saying to her, surely you want this movie to go on, right? Because you just won this role. So, you know, you desperately must want the movie to go ahead and film. And she's saying, well, you know, not at the expense of people dying. And then I was thinking, but surely were you not Sydney in Stab 1 and Stab 2? Have they recast Sydney for Stab 3? I forgot. Remember they said um, at the beginning when they were when they were we were first being introduced to like Jenny McCarthy and Emily and they were all sitting on the stairs on the set. Yeah. And they were like, oh, there's a reason Tori Spelling and someone else didn't want to come back and do this. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. OK, OK, OK. Right. Because they had showed those little clips, hadn't they, in Stab 2, right? And I'm pretty sure Tori Spelling was Sydney. Yes, and Luke Wilson was yeah. playing um, Skeet Ulrich's character, yeah. uh, Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So we they, they it. did reference that. Okay, we answered it. Well, there, there was a couple continuity things um, that they were mentioning in the commentary, like, and we'll get to all of these parts, but there's, you know, there's a part where they cut the power to the house, um, the house that, like, blows up, you know, later to, mm-hmm. in sort of the middle of the movie, but the fax machine's still working. <laughs> you know. Well, the fax machine uses a phone line. I guess. Okay. Because that was fax machines used to be on landlines. And and if, not, your power, if your power goes out, your landline still works. They didn't need any additional power because it was like a massive unit, wasn't it? Like I don't know. It's a good question. I used to have one. I don't remember if it worked on, during a power outage. Okay, someone let us know. Someone comment. Uh, well, okay, well let, let's let's go into like the opening of the movie. We're with um, cotton, cotton, cotton. Weary, a hundred percent cotton. Would you have ever worked on a? Sh- would you ever worked on Cotton Weary's show? Well, it's funny because I totally forgot that beginning before the credits start thing, and I was like, oh my god, he had his own talk show. No, I wouldn't mm. have worked on a show because the show was like trash. <laughs> But does now as as uh, you know an American and someone is you know within the industry, is that something that would have ever happened? Like, uh, has there ever been someone that's been like accused of a murder or some crime, and then they've become a celebrity somehow to be able to have like a talk show like that, or is that just ludicrous? I don't think so. Those are more like the guests on the talk shows, not the host. Right. Right. I of mean, course, so. had some crazy talk shows here but i don't none of them i don't think were accused of murdering anyone yeah and got their fame their fame from that okay so he's in the car he has a car phone the dream and then he he had a car phone and then he had a cell phone in the visor too yeah Uh, two phones okay Here's a two phone Joe. Yeah, I've always wanted one of those phones. I mean, Italy, it's always been like illegal here to talk on the phone and drive. But I guess that is the case now in America, is it? Yeah, you have to be Bluetooth. But but in 93, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like 92, 93, my husband had a phone in the car that was like attached with like a squiggly cord. That's dope. And, and then if you put it on speakerphone, it was it wouldn't come through the radio. It wasn't Bluetooth. 
but you could still put it on speakerphone. So you're like, so you didn't have to hold it while you were driving. And what was the like reception like? Because I assume it's basically just like it has to be like a mobile phone, really. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I mean, it was all we used locally used it. It wasn't, you know, it was like, oh, we're going out for dinner. Here's what. But yeah, but awesome. you can take it out of the car. You can only use it in the car. It was yeah, hard- yeah. hardwired to the car for power. Awesome. Okay, so yeah, he's in traffic. And this is the first time that in an opening it's been a male person that is the the victim, so to speak, of Ghostface. Because in the in Scream One, obviously it was Drew Drew Barrymore. In Scream Two, it was what's the opening of Scream Two? Oh, it was um oh I guess there was a male. It was um Omar Reps and Jada Pinkett Smith. But I guess Jada was kind of more of the... Because there's two killers in that one. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, I guess as like a solo, um, yeah, it's Cotton. Cotton's like flirting on the phone. It's his own karma, maybe, (laughs) that that this happened to him. He gets back and his girlfriend, is she famous? She is. Kelly Rutherford. So she was on Melrose Place here. And then she was the mom on Gossip Girl. Oh. So she's been around also. Okay, yeah, she she looked familiar. Uh, And we're introduced to the the fact that Ghostface has a voice changer that not just changes his voice into Ghostface, but can steal other people's voices. It's it's like AI. AI. Yeah, it's like AI now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like they invented it back then or they were using it back then excellent yeah yeah you just have to look over that i mean it is a cool thing like a cool idea oh, it's almost like someone saw it in the movie and they were like hmm let's make yeah. that for real and now here we are 23 years later there you go elon musk was like yep scream free i know what to do <laughs> but yeah and and so that it, it's a good kind of it's an interesting change that we've got in this movie to to the previous ones because obviously it confuses uh, Cotton's girlfriend. There's actually a moment in it. We just did The Shining. Uh, have you seen The Shining? No. There, well, kind of a spoiler. I'm not gonna. I won't say what. But there's a bit at the end. <laughs> there's a very very famous bit where one of the characters is swinging a bat at his wife <laughs> and saying, you know. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your fucking brains in, you know? Um, and, but saying it kind of upbeat and smiling because he's like lost his mind. And it's kind of similar in a way to that cotton line where he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to rip your insides out. But, um, you know, to her, it's extra terrifying because it's coming from her, the voice of her boyfriend, which means that when he does come in to save her, she doesn't trust him, sort of stabs him. But she, you know, meets her demise, as does he. And the whole point, though, is that Ghostface wants to find Sydney. Yep. And I did think it was convenient that he was wearing a cream-colored suit. So it was, the blood was definitely more prevalent on that. Yeah. Who wears that color? I mean, it was just an odd color. Well, that guy, is it Liev Shriver? Yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah, 
he had been working out in real life, like around this time. And so he didn't want to wear a jacket. He kept saying, I wanted to be in a t-shirt so he could show off his arms and everything. He's in like a, he's in like a, a linen or like a very thin knit shirt. Yeah. So fair enough. You know, you put in the work, you want to show it off. So just with the color choice was just interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Convenient. But that was like, so. oh, there's the blood. First scene, blood. Yeah, no, I, I was wrong. I'm retconning a lot of stuff tonight. And <laughs> that's also why I thought there was like no blood in this. But there you go. Um, but then we then we find Sydney, who lives basically my life. She lives away in the countryside, has a dog, works from home and doesn't want to see anybody. <laughs> And just sees people. Well, she, she was she was the original working from home. She like patches in for her phone yeah. and has a beautiful house. Yeah. What, what do you think of this? Do you think she's got like, is this like witness protection money or something? She's been think, paid damages. I'm sure she got some money. She's in some suing of something. Um, right. No, it's like really nice to live in the middle of nowhere with your dog. And right. just the dad knows where, well, I guess Dewey sort of knows where she is, but the dad knows where she is. But yeah, someone yeah. lock the gate, you put the alarm on, you're all by yourself. Perfect. Also a bit scary, but yes, perfect. Though, can we, let's just pause on her for a second, because I'm getting a bit confused about her mum and the whole Maureen Prescott stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was, after finishing the dvd commentary of the third one i went back and started listening to the first one again just why not just while i was like cleaning up the kitchen and stuff and so it was playing part of the first film in my ears and it came on like the news report where they were talking about oh this the death of casey becker so like drew barrymore's character uh in the first one you know this this tragic death comes just one month after the death of Maureen Prescott, who was raped and murdered, raped and murdered. Like I, I didn't remember that part, which makes it extra sick of obvious reasons because you know she was raped and that's obviously horrendous and terrible. But then was thinking about, but who? So it did. Is that Billy or Stu that did that? Because that's extra sick, right? Because if it was Billy, it was because his dad had had an affair with her, right? I don't know. I was like, this poor woman, because we find out what she's... But then I think the... See, I don't know if she was actually raped or they were saying that because they found, you know, like someone else's semen because Cotton went to jail because I think that was the evidence Uh, they had, but he didn't rape her. They were just having an affair. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, okay, because I was just thinking, Jesus, this woman, because when we obviously find out some of the stuff that she'd been through in this film. Which they didn't know in the first film. Like this one, they just made, they were just making it up as they went along for this film. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's just like, my gosh. I mean, I mean, they really paint the picture that, you know, she got around, right, a bit, right? Um, Because I also couldn't remember. She was actually raped in this film. 
Well, this one, yes, of course. But I mean, in like, you've just reminded me that yeah, she was with Cotton, she was with Billy's dad, and then obviously she's with Sydney's dad as well. But was was she still married to Sydney's dad while this stuff was happening, or were they already separated? With Billy's dad and Cotton, she was still married to Sydney's dad. Right. Okay. So that was she was having affairs with those with those guys. Okay. Okay. Right. This is all making sense. Well, I mean, and we'll get to all of that, but I mean, like with what happens in this movie, but it's extra horrible and creepy when you think that you've got this, the chairman of the studio or whatever, the Milton character that, um, you know, is uh, using his power to sleep with these actresses and manipulate and, you know, do these horrible things. Harvey Weinstein, back in the day. Ex- right, exactly. And this is a Miramax movie. Yep. So, extra layer. Of, yeah. Yeah, this is an extra layer of horribleness, but important to to point these things out. But okay, yeah. So Sydney, we're back with Sydney. She lives in the middle of nowhere. Got a dog. Living, living a good life. She's she's like some sort of crisis counselor mm-hmm. as well. Do you remember what her pseudonym name was? that was i watched it yesterday i don't remember laura is it laura yes yes excellent well done i'll keep quizzing you now i didn't even write that one down (laughs) uh and is this where she is this where she falls asleep and gets the like dream of her mom no that's a bit later yeah that was very creepy well where wait where does the movie go to next do we next then go to Gale talking in that college class yes now uh courtney cox's hair was a point of controversy apparently when filming this and she got a lot of cri- lot of uh critique from fans on her hair choice how did you find her haircut not a fan not a fan a bit severe yeah which was ironic because I thought Parker Posey's hair actually looked better than Courtney Cox's hair. Parker Posey playing Gail looked better. Right. Looked better than Gail playing Gail. Right, right. Well, uh, in real life, Courtney Cox and David Arquette had three days before they started shooting had just come back from their honeymoon. So they just got married. Um, oh, no, and- they were still together during this. Right. Well, and Courtney Cox said, I think in an interview or or something that, you know, sort of joking around was like, well, I met him in the first scream, I was sleeping with him in the second scream, and then I'd I'd married him by the time we were doing the third one. So that's nice. But I I mean, and uh, they have kids together, right, as well. I know one kid. No, they're not together now, but it seemed like they had a really good relationship. So I think she said on our show... The best thing that came out about meeting David on the screen movies is my daughter. There you go. There you go. Did she reflect on the screen movies? Well, she, well, she came on. She came on to promote. Um, I think it was five. It was like on Zoom. She had come on. But that was like the only positive thing. Oh, okay. So. Well, are you up to date with the Scream movies? I am, yes. I watched five and six over the summer. Okay, so you know. Mm-hmm. I- <laughs> we, won't, we we best not mention that we'll get there eventually. 
yeah, so, and the guy that stands up and asks her a question in that, like, college auditorium, whatever, is David Arquette's brother. Oh, I don't think, I didn't know that. Just as a random, just as a random fact. Fourth sibling? Fifth sibling? Maybe the fourth one. Who knows? But, yeah, okay, and... Yeah, I mean, I, we're introduced to this whole concept of of stab free and um, and these other characters. So the other vert, like you said, the there's the other Gail. This is where we meet Patrick Dempsey too, because he came to Cal- he came to tell Gail that um, that Cotton was killed. Yes. So I love seeing Patrick Dempsey that young. <laughs> I mean, I Still love with- at him now too, but. And still with the perfect hair, right? Was he? Oh. Is he's the head? His he was the head and shoulders like guy here, like on the commercials for Head and Shoulders. Did, did he do that over there? I don't think so. I don't remember that. But he has perfect hair for it. So. Still does. And I, I mean, I'm not. I don't know. But is he's not? Is he still in Grey's Anatomy? He's not in. No, no. not for a while. But this was like what like five years before Grey's even started but I knew him from movies like earlier on like when he played a teenager and stuff okay he's still in things now he's I still mean, going he's around he does some movies he was doing race car driving for a while but he pops up every after he left Grey's he was like racing cars just for fun or actually competitively yeah, I think I think both Okay. Well, he made his money. Why not live your life? Live your life. Well, he comes in as very like a very suspicious character slash kind of a semi love interest for Sydney ish. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling. Like they were sort of flirty ish when they when like she first came in and that he was questioning her. At one point, he gets like very close to her face i was just like oh, okay weird like you just really play. close yeah yeah and he's like saying you know oh i like the the flesh the like flesh the bone and flesh or blood and flesh or whatever like bad guys because i know how to get those guys or something like that yeah and he comes in really close to her like this poor girl in the first one she's got the fonds like holding her face on this one she's got this guy just yeah but they 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 seed in with him about his like interest in movies. If you look around his like detective office, there's like movie posters and things to sort of stay with the theme of from the first one of you know what's your favorite scary movie, and it's all about sort of these movie fanatics. So yeah, do you think people? It's hard. It's hard because obviously you could remember who the killer was, but do you think? If you hadn't, if you didn't know that you would think he was a viable option as a killer. I think when I first saw it, I I was very suspicious of him. That he, he was definitely on my list. I'm like, oh, it could be him. Because I do think it's a twist when you find out who it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I questioned him the entire movie the first time I, the first time I saw it. No, they played it well like he that guy the director they did it by accident when they were like trying to figure out who the killer was i don't think at any point i was like oh it's him not at all yeah 
I think in every movie, in all of, well, in these three screen movies that we've covered, they've hidden who the killer is really well. I think the big twist in the first one is that it's two people. Right. Um, and obviously we think that Billy is like dead, don't we? Or sort of on death's door. Um, and that's sort of the trick in the first one. And then in the second one, it's the second one is a little bit more out there because Timothy Oliphant's barely in the movie, so we don't really suspect him that much. And then Billy Loomis's mother is in like one and a half scenes. So it's end. not really, yeah, it's not really fair. It's not really like we had the opportunity to point them out. Where at least in this one, Roman is a main character. Yeah, but not in any way did I. Like in every scene that someone died, I'm always thinking, like now, I'm like, oh, well, where is he right now at this exact mm. point? That it could have been him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess on second viewing, the one that's a bit more obvious is when he's talking, um, <laughs> he's talking with the with the, the blonde haired girl that's in, in yeah. the office. Yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, because obviously he's on the phone to her, so he just could be using his own voice. But, yeah. But, so, yeah, we get this second dynamic of... Did did you remember when they went to set that that was going to be Stu's house on the first one? Because they don't really show it straight away. I remember that whole thing. That's a, that's a great... That's a great plot device to have in there, to have her going through you know, the the scenes of what happened in the first one. And we actually see her mum's sort of murder site that we didn't see in the first one to add extra trauma to this poor girl that needs so much therapy. Yeah, with the body bag on the floor, everything covered in blood. i tell you what was a bit, well, a bit cringy was the, the, when ghostface is being her mother and being the body bag that's following her around going mother knows best and all of that stuff i mean how did that play for you no it was creepy also sometimes with her you don't real you don't know if it's actually happening or if she's dreaming it yes the other thing like when she like woke up from that dream and you were like oh, okay that was a dream but then when when he's following her around in the on the set you're like is she imagining this or is this actually happening yeah the dream one i really wasn't sure and then i paid particular attention when watching it i was like yeah okay it's definitely a dream but that's so creepy when just like coming up walking up to the window in the mist and then like you know the fingernails down the window horrible and then I still jumped when Ghostface broke through the glass window. And then she woke yeah. up. Like, oh, that was a dream. But that was still scary in the movie theater. Yeah, definitely. That that bit wasn't cringy to me. The bit that was a bit cringy was when it was like Ghostface is under, under the, burlap. the sheet. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, when did you have time to suddenly, you're chasing around this set to suddenly be like, oh, let me get this <laughs> blooded sheet and just throw that over and just creep her out for a minute. Just terrorize her. But I, I thought that was I thought it was really clever, and they put in the like sound bites of Ski Ulrich's, uh, you know, and Matthew Lillard, you know. But your mother was no Sharon Stone. Like my God, she's had so much abuse about her mother that also 
met a horrible demise, you know, and also was abused that we later find out in this movie as well. So, yeah. Back off of Sydney. Give her a break. A lot for one character. Did you notice that she was wearing the necklace that Jerry gave her in the first, in the second movie? Like the letters, the frat letters. I did not notice that. Come on, Sarah. I didn't notice. <laughs> um, that was that's, that was a that was a good callback. Um, we have a Jay and Silent Bob cameo for no reason. I wrote that. I wrote that cameo. Jay and Silent Bob. Why? They were like calling Gail Connie Chung. <laughs> yeah. So they were on the set tour. I don't know. They were they were probably like around and they're like, hey, want to be in the movie for two seconds? Right. And, and but what's funny is when they're on doing their cameo, the camera sort of moves from like the left to them. And on the left is Wes Craven eating popcorn with the with his DP. So I didn't see that either. <laughs> yeah, it's like a two in one cameo. So uh we also have um, oh god, I'm blanking on her name. Princess Leia. Oh, Carrie Fisher. Right. And she's like, I, I want to be Princess Leia. I was like, good, nice one. <laughs> Apparently, she that was all her idea. To, From the youngins so, who don't know, Carrie Fisher was Princess Leia. Right. Um, but yeah, apparently that was all her own idea to sort of be uh, self-deprecating like that. But That was good. Yeah, great cameo. Um, we're kind of just jumping around a little bit now, but there, there's also the bodyguard. Um, oh, fake, fake Gale's bodyguard. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He's around too, that guy. Yeah, I know him from loads of stuff. Now it's but good. he gets horribly stabbed in the back. Yet, yet still walks out and was able to get to the front door. Yeah, classic, classic scream. Um, and that's just before the whole fax machine situation. It really made me laugh when she just jumped into his arms <laughs> at the end of the scene. I thought that was good. Parker Posey definitely did a good um, uh, Courtney Cox. Oh, definitely. I think she was maybe the best part of the movie, maybe. Like her and... Her and Courtney Cox's okay. sort of combination. Patrick Warburton. He's been around. Yeah, he looks really familiar. What what else has he been in? He was on The Tick, which was a TV show. He was on... Oh, I Seinfeld. He had like a big part on... Everyone knows him from Seinfeld. He was putty on Seinfeld. Okay. Yeah, he looked familiar. His voice is really familiar. Maybe he's done voiceover stuff as well. Speaking of voiceover stuff... He was Buzz Lightyear in his voice acting roles. Yeah, he was on Family Guy, The Emperor's New Groove, and Buzz Lightyear and Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. So yeah, he's been around. There you go. Well, speaking of voiceover work, it's the same guy that's doing the ghost face voice uh roger jackson and what's yeah, great about him he did it the whole time oh, oh yeah oh right did you say he had him on drew 
Yeah, when we did the scream one, we had him do some. He recorded some stuff for us. That's great. So great. I, and did you? I mean, you probably do know all of this. I guess if you you had him on and everything, but he was like a local hire, and they were just going to use his voice temporarily, and then have someone record over it. Um, but his voice, he was just so good. And it is iconic. I mean, when you have Ghostface on the phone, they are also the best parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's cool. Uh, who else have we got? Yeah, we. I mean, did you ever think it was going to be fake Sydney, other Sydney, when she's like in the bathroom and she's like got the mask and got the cell phone and everything? She's wearing the black boots and then like she steps up on the toilet and I was mm-hmm. like, I actually didn't, when I was watching it yesterday, I didn't remember. I was like, who is in there? I don't remember. And then when she opened the door, I'm like, oh, right. It's that dumb dumb. Well, because in the original script, it was going to be two people again. And it was going to be her um, and Roman. And they were going to be together as a couple. And then it was going to be this extra layer of horribleness because she's playing his sister right <laughs> so yeah. They, yeah yeah and they were like nah that's just stick with it just being just being roman um oh just why so i don't forget the house that they go to at the end obviously we'll talk all about that in a minute but that house in real life leonardo dicaprio hired for his millennium new year's eve party and apparently in hollywood that was the party to be at interesting i had no idea <laughs> so there you go um yeah i mean who who else have we got in there before we actually get oh so milton the horrible executive guy and he's got that crazy office he's got like a diving board out the out the end that looks like it's going in into the lake and He's pretty seedy and tells the story that basically Maureen Prescott that went like Sydney's mum that went by a different name had come to Hollywood and basically been manipulated and abused by him and other studio heads uh, to sort of get acting roles, which didn't work out. And then she sort of went went back home. Super sad and probably sadly like realistic, I would imagine in in the in them times yeah probably they were like i'm sure someone at miramax was like oh just write it like this it's like real life yeah jesus christ yeah and it is horrible Ugh, like the like it's so hard to separate the art from the artist because i mean i know that like the weinsteins or harvey weinsteins not like in this movie is he but we do know that nobody rolled it right without him would these movies exist um and so it's hard to think about supporting that and the money that we paid for admission or paid to stream or whatever must still go to him in some way unless that's all frozen now no it probably it probably goes to the company and then the company still has to pay residuals so it's you know it does i yes there's a percentage that goes i mean i guess it doesn't go to him it goes to whatever account is in place in lieu of him but the, you know it's a i'm sure it's a small percentage because they have to split it between a lot of people mm. Mm. it's hard because like dom and i really want to cover well we do and we don't we, we grew up loving the lethal weapon movies 
um like love england like watching them like like die hard and speed and yeah but uh mel gibson is really problematic and we don't really want to pay into that but then it's like but we also want to be able to cover it because we've got good memories with it so it's like how do can you separate the the art from the artist i mean what what's your take on that i feel i i think you can because if you're just going to be talking about um I mean, I know here we sort of went on a tangent for people's careers, but like, then just talk about the movie and the characters. Just mm. don't talk about his other, you know, or his personal life stuff, or even his other stuff that he was in. Just stick with Lethal. Talk about Danny Glover's other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Danny Glover's in a movie called is he called Waffle Street? I think with James Lafferty. I did not. It's actually really good. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's about, this isn't giving anything away. This is like a synopsis. But for you and for listeners uh, that would probably enjoy it, James Lafferty's character is on Wall Street and he's got this big high up job and he think he basically gets let go and he wants to buy a franchise of a waffle restaurant. But to be able to buy a franchise you have to work in the waffle shop for at least like 400 hours or something like that and so it's about him having to work you know cleaning toilets and wiping tables and stuff to be able to do the amount of time to be able to buy a franchise so it's actually really interesting and then for me that's like in franchising i find it interesting from that part but then obviously interesting because we obviously love james lafferty from one tree hill and then also love danny glover from lethal weapon so i, think I might watch that from yeah it's good 2015 okay 2015 yeah i, I don't know what it would get rated on imdb it's probably like 5.5 or something but just give it a go no don't expect the world 6.2 on imdb oh there you go not bad not bad at all it was on netflix at one point yeah better than average how do you feel how do you feel about lethal weapon was that a movie that you loved yeah we liked lethal weapons we liked the beverly hills cop die hard all those movies i was into all that stuff hell yeah yeah well maybe generation maybe you could come on and do some lethal weapon with us then keep us we'll stick (laughs) on track with get on track to the movie yeah yeah exactly well okay so yeah that character's horrible he gets his throat slit at the end anyway so i guess he gets he gets some karma right but here Um, here was my question mm. do we find out who roman's father is or do we assume it's one of the guys one of the like head guys see at first i thought it was him i thought milton was roman's father Yes, yeah, like he's killing his father. Then I questioned it because why are you slitting your dad's throat? Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Well, yeah, I thought that too. I was like, okay, this is this dude's dad, and that's why he's like when they know, were in the office arguing, and he was like, "Don't worry, Roman, it's gonna be fine. You'll make your movie." So I was like, "Oh, is that his dad?" Like I wasn't. Mm. Sure that worked. And then again, we're used to that relationship from One Tree Hill with Julian and his dad, right? right. Kick it out the nest and see if it flies. <laughs> Stab free. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm guessing his dad is just someone else high up in in Hollywood. 
I, I was thinking this earlier that instead of going forward with Scream, I think they should go back and do a prequel of Scream. I, I don't know. It's not really possible because Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich are, are too old now, unless they could do stuff with like, you know, like they did with Robert De Niro and AI. Yeah, they're like, make them look younger. Well, they did it with Skeet Ulrich yeah. in like mm-hmm. Scream 5 or whatever one, didn't they? They made him look younger. But like, I think it would be, it'd be so cool to see Scream 1 just flipped and it's just from their perspective um because that movie's so good or to see not that i want to see them killing people or anything i'm not sick but i just mean like a live prequel yeah exactly it would be really interesting i i think the same with jurassic park i mean that's a really odd comparison but stop going forward with jurassic park and go back make a movie pre the first one and show like a smaller story that something went wrong or happened or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Cause they tried that for supernatural. They went back and did the Winchesters, which was a prequel. Didn't work. It sucked. Okay. Well, yeah. I, who knows? Who knows? Sometimes have you seen 10 Cloverfield lane? That's a weird no. one to say. It's like a. It's with John Goodman. It's really good. Um, but it's set before the first Cloverfield. I might be getting that wrong. I think that that's right. But it came out after, and I think it was way better than Cloverfield. So I don't know. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We'll see. But wait, do you? What have you got in your notes? Is there anyone else you want to talk about before we sort of get to the the house Roman's well, birthday party? Jimmy McCarthy gets killed in the office. Yes, she does. With all the scream masks. Like, she's in the room with all of the costumes, which I thought was pretty cool. And, like, all of the props. She's trying to use, like, props like and things. The rubbery knives and stuff. I yeah. for, I for also forgot she was in it. Like, I was like, oh, Jenny McCarthy. Because, again, mm-hmm. she's out there now doing um, The Masked Singer. So she's like, you know, all these people are, like, still working and, like, still this many years later. Mm-hmm. I, I I would just say I it was a good comedy moment where she's trying to like she broke his award his like music video award and she's trying to like tape the head back on and I like the moment after when Roman's like I'm next this is obviously a sign <laughs> I thought that was funny um okay so she gets killed then oh and then right the whole then the bodyguard gets killed after that Mm-hmm. They thought they were going in order of who gets killed in the movie, but obviously when the bodyguard got killed, you're like, no, he's just against everybody now. Yeah. Yeah, and then they're, and then they're at the house. That was the whole fax machine. Right, and then the house blows up, and then uh, Sydney shows up, doesn't she? Or she's at like with the detective, and then she gets the phone call, you know, and and. But meet me at the house they they all end up at this at roman's like birthday wait we should talk about randy's tape too oh my god thank you that would have been horrendous if we didn't talk about that yes well, what that did was you think the of house that? blows up first and then the next day they go to the studio and randy's sister is there right exactly how did you find all of that 
Well, another actress who's been around, Heather Matarazzo or whatever her last name is. Yeah, she's been around. Um, I I thought it was funny that they like gave him a cameo. I mean, on tape. But I I thought it was good, and everything he said was true. He's like, trilogies are different. And he said, you'll find out new information that reframes the first one, yep. which it does, which it does. And then um, no one, not everyone's safe, but we know those three were safe. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is. it does change the first one because the big reveal that we'll talk about in a minute is Roman was the one that, that sort of instructed and taught Billy and Stu. So, like, he was the one that he pushed, gave them the push. Yeah. Right, exactly. And exposed to Billy that his dad was having an affair with uh, with Sydney's mum. Uh, they, they were toying, Wes Craven and the writers and everyone, were toying with bringing uh, Jamie Kennedy's character back alive and saying that he had survived the stabbing in scream two and his family had like whisked him away to keep him like you know out of it yeah and they were going to bring him back and then they were like no but cooler heads prevailed but it was like from a story position i think that would have been better because he's such a good character but i think um wes craven was kind of implying that he's great and has some genius moments and timing and everything, but he's also really difficult to work with. Like he could, he was like, he couldn't remember a single line um, and did like that video that was showed for like two minutes. He recorded over two hours of like footage. Um, But like, he was just like improving and giving all this different stuff and whatever. Um, But I think maybe he doesn't have a very good memory for like line, remembering his lines. He's more ad libby than memory. Yeah, um, which works for his character, doesn't it? Um, so, and and he's such a breath of fresh air. Like, and we need someone to give us the rules because that's such a quintessential scream ism. Mm-hmm. And I liked all of it. Made sense coming from him. He was the one who always gave the rules. Exactly, and I liked all of the. You know, this time he's going to be superhuman, and you know, you literally got to like blow him up or cut his head off or whatever. And that kind of comes to fruition at the end as well. But yeah, I loved I loved that. Yeah, have you heard the the theory that well, it's not even a theory. The original one of the original ideas for Scream Two was going to be that Stu in Scream One had survived and that he was in prison and was sort of like a sort of like a famous serial like a famous killer, you know, like a Dharma. Uh, yeah, Dharma, Ted Bundy kind of situation and had like these followers on the outside that he was like influencing to be like Ghostface. Yeah, I feel um, like... Yeah, I think that... I would love it if they still did that because he's such a good character. It's like, feels like such a shame that these great characters were killed off. Well, there you go. not everyone can survive. <laughs> Right. Well, th- because this at this point this was just going to be a trilogy. David Arquette was trying to convince the writers that at the and we will talk about it in a minute. I'm really jumping ahead, but at the very end, when everything's good and they're just going to watch a movie at Sydney's house, he was like, "Then Ghostface should come in and just massacre everyone, and then credits." Because it's the and they were like, "Why we can't make any more?" Right. Exactly. Miramax, How are we going to not going to happen? Right, 
exactly exactly well okay so we get to the to the house at the end and you know the uh like secret tunnels and bookcases and everything that's all real that was actually that's actually in the house that's pretty cool yeah um not the like bulletproof not the glass the two one-way mirror, oh, the mirror but like the yeah that wasn't real <laughs> apparently there was some like confusion by some audience members thinking that dewey actually had shot her through it but he didn't he's like shooting the top to to crack it yeah to break it yeah well at this point they kind of all go one they kind of get picked off one by one to an extent the fake uh sydney lets out that she had slept with milton as well so showing that mm-hmm. yeah that tox that toxicness still continued um yeah, the the Tyson, you know, the one. Yeah, he's like what, the one, the one black, the one black guy. Yeah, the one black guy. I thought it was gonna be like, are they gonna break this trope? Is it gonna be like he would survive? And I thought maybe he could up until like he gets stabbed and he's running away. And and his um, he was in like the Cosby Show. He was in not another team movie. You know, he's someone that's like super familiar. Um, and even when he like he sort of got thrown off of the balcony. I was like, well, maybe, maybe he'll survive this, but no, sad. And the, um, when Roman goes down into the basement and there's all of the different props, they were saying on the DVD commentary, because later he's found in there, like dead, dead in in my brackets. Right. Right. And Gail checks his pulse um and he doesn't have a pulse and they had put in all these different ways of how he could have done it you know or um like explaining how he pretended to be dead um but then they just cut it out so there is no explanation it could have been like a fake hand also because there was all those prompts down there yes she was gonna check his pulse on his neck or his or his wrist but yeah they just you just got to overlook that one, I think. <laughs> it's basically what they were saying was like, we were just hoping people won't ask that question. Um, but yeah, Dewey gets gets stabbed again. Gets stabbed every movie. He has a lot of scars. <laughs> so much scar tissue. He's already got a limp, hasn't he, from when he got stabbed in the back in the first one. There's that great moment of where the knife gets thrown at him, and I think they use that in the trailers. Yeah, and it hits and it. And then <laughs> just hits yeah, the handle, which is great. But the effect of it was really good. The, you know, and... I did think this this one specifically didn't have a lot of um, interesting ways people got killed. Like in the first one when Rose McGowan's like in the garage door... Like this one was very like gun knife gun knife. Okay, he got thrown over the balcony, but like he was already stabbed. Like it was yeah. very gun and knifey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they the newer screams are a lot more graphic as well. Yeah, like, but even the first one. I mean, I guess they did gut people and stuff, but like I thought, like the Rose McGowan thing was pretty good because that was not stabbing or gunning yeah 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 exactly yeah and yeah the the first one is like 
masterful i think i think the first one's in like my top 10 i i think i could say that so i mean it is hard to do a sequel of something that's so good like when the first one sets a bar so high and i think that for like i see so many sort of t-shirts and things from on instagram and other places revering the scream franchise from like a millennial kind of generation like i think for millennials this is like the the exorcist or like the the nightmare on elm street i guess for the like for that generation nightmare on elm street was like my that was like me for my generation like the mid 80s it was elm street and um friday the 13th right yeah okay exactly and then probably for like my parents generation it would have been like the exorcist or uh which is like in like the late 70s right isn't it i think yeah like the omen maybe i don't know when the omen came out but i think that's i was around there i was young when that came out yeah right so yeah i wonder what like i wonder what for like your son's generation what their version of that would be right and he's watched all the screen movies i mean more so because i've been watching them but like he's into all the screen movies hmm. so are there any horror movies that he watches that are like current i don't think so i mean i don't even has there been any like even when they redid halloween last year it's like that's from like the 70s and 80s also i mean the hmm. continuation with jamie lee curtis like I feel like they're just expanding these movies that they've done so many years ago. There's a lot of things now where like they can't come up with anything new for some reason. So they just go back to the old stuff and either remake it or continue it. Yeah. There's only like so much IP out there, isn't there? And Disney owns most of it across most genres. Maybe not horror. horror, Yeah. Right. Apparently there's one on there that I really wanted to watch. Um, and F ended up watching it like with her cousin and her mom, and apparently it was pretty good. I already can't remember what it's called, but <laughs> watch Waffle Street first, and then I'll give you that one. Yeah. Okay. So right. Yes. So who else? Who else gets killed in here? Yep. Uh, fake Gale gets gets uh gets stabbed. Yep in the sound and, and, then and i guess they beat the shit out of patrick dempsey but he just kept getting up and he just got he got he had a nice sling at the end he had an arm sling at the end for uh to show his battles yeah he turns up we're still unsure about him as well aren't we yeah i think when he shows up because because ghostface comes and that's when he that's when gail and um dewey are like tied up and and Sydney shoots Ghostface and then oh right around the corner here comes Patrick Dempsey after Ghostface disappears mm-hmm. so you're like oh, wait a second now is it him he just happened to yeah. show up yeah it's the same as like Dewey in the first screen movie when she's like on the phone to Ghostface she hangs up and then he comes around the corner although how did so... Patrick Dempsey know they were there that's what I didn't know because mm. Sydney got the phone call at the police station Unless he was tracing people's phones, I don't know how he would have known they were there. I think he says something along the lines of, well, I knew that Roman had a party tonight, his birthday party. I thought I'm just going to pass through, you know, but yeah, it is convenient. And that was also a pretty lame birthday party. It was like 
three cast members and then like nobody else. Yes. Yeah. Roman, do you not have any friends, any family? And you're maybe? the director of the movie. Really? Where's your big wig dad? The studio head dad. We want to meet him. But yeah, there you go. And then we get to the the kind of the climax here, and we get the math, the, you know, the big monologue. We well, the reveal that it's Roman, dun dun dun, which is it's a good reveal. And I think you, there's this kind of trope of when the scream killer reveals themselves that then they kind of become this sort of psychotic kind of person, right? They their cat their personality flips. And he sort of does that to an extent, but he still kind of feels within character. Like I think that actor does a does a pretty good job, a pretty good performance. Holy, he's been around too. Right. Yeah, I saw on his IMDb, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was on Grey's Anatomy also. Oh, there you go. Felicity. There you go. You... Yeah, he's been around Scandal. He's been in a lot of stuff. I f love scandal. Have you have you seen all of Grey's Anatomy? I have since the beginning. Wow. Now how is it now? Oh, it sucks, but I won't give up on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. One of those commitment. shows that like I started when it start. I started it when it started, and it's like I'll just push through to the end. Is there any talk about an end? Not yet. Is it still like twenty four episodes a season? Um, it's about twenty ish, I think. I respect that. I miss shows doing twenty episodes. Now a they season. like split it, so it's like you know, like ten until like September to Christmas. Well, not now because there's a writer strike, but like last year there was like ten, and then they take off like two or three months, and then it's like another ten or something. That's cool though. They're still pumping out like twenty a year, yeah. so that's awesome. Good. Well, I hope. I mean, I I've only seen an odd bit of an episode here or there, and we we have some we have shows here in the UK like the set in hospitals uh, that have been running for years, but they're more like soap operas. We've got one called Casualty. Um, the other one, Holby City, I think is um was like a crossover show. I think doesn't exist anymore, but Casualty's been running for years. Like it will never end. So I mean I think Grey's will eventually end. There's only three people on it that well now two that have been on since the very beginning. Wow. So yeah. But it was like ER before that. Like with yeah, the yeah, yeah. show. Like that was like fifteen or seventeen years. I watched that too. Wow. When they were on the, when they were on at the same time, ugh, that was not good. <laughs> Free DVRs. Okay. Love it. Love it. But yeah, he's uh, fully. Yeah, well, he was good. He was good performance, and his and he gives us the the story that Maureen was his mother. So let's get this straight. Maureen's his mum. That what that she'd and then he he she he's saying she abandoned her. But it was is the dad then one of these? It's not from that night, is it? I don't know the night when like she had then when like ten people like raped her. I don't know. Like, we never find out who his dad is. Right. Because, I mean, now that we're talking about it and we're saying his dad is some sort of executive, you know, someone in a studio or something, it would make sense that it would be from that then, wouldn't it? Correct. Yeah. Oh. She, like, got pregnant, had the baby, and then was, like, obviously came out of not good circumstances. So 
gave him up. I'm assuming the dad wasn't involved. Maybe he never knew who his dad was, and that's why he killed Milton. Because he's like, well, here's the guy who put her in this situation, so I'm just going to kill him too. Right. Okay. Interesting. Why? Why are the why are the movies the subsequent movies after this not exploring this like as in i mean it's a horrible subject matter but there's more within this like unanswered questions um but okay so i do like the line he kills milton i do like the line where he's like you can have what you want you know this that and the other final cut and then he just like I can't remember what he says. He's like, okay. He doesn't say that, does he? But he says something and like cuts his throat. I'm going to Google it. Shall we Google? Fine. Is, is Milton. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, Roman's dad. I don't think. Is he... Milton. Roman's dad. Scream free. After Roman killed. Da, 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 Hank, he's living. Or maybe just who is Roman's dad? Right, this comes up on Wikipedia, so I mean, whether this is true or not, we don't know. It says, after Roman kills stab producer John Milton, whom he accuses of being his biological father and one of their mother's rapists, Sidney denounces him and his motives, provoking an enraged body, blah, blah, blah. So yes, I think... Milton is his biological father, then. And it says somewhere else here, he is implied to be Roman's father. Milton is the, main, is the man responsible... Yeah, well, here something says he's the producer of the latest stab sequel, though he is unaware that the director is his son. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, and there's also things here saying that Milton was the, let's say, the organizer of the the horribleness or that happened. In yeah. Right, right. So, ugh, nasty, horrible. He wasn't, so he was raised by whoever, like he wasn't. He wasn't raised by his biological parents. Right. Yeah. So like a, a backstory on him would be interesting in some way. Like how did, why did he choose the ghost face outfit? Like why did that become a thing? Why did he use the voice? Like, you know, the backstory of that would be interesting. Even if it was just in flashback somehow. Well, I don't know how they would do it. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess that makes it way more satisfying that Milton gets killed, you know. Like we could have had it and his dad. He did. And trying to kill his sister. Yeah, it's a crazy person. (laughs) That's sure is i mean if if it had been scream one though or a newer scream like i think the the milton's death would have been way more graphic wouldn't it because it's like the movie is allowing us as a viewer to be like yeah fuck that dude like you know you we give you the right to kill him because he's terrible so they would have like used that more i think yeah I mean, he, you didn't really see him that much in the in the movie. You only saw him in that one scene in the office. And then at the end. That's why I was like, do we know it's his dad? Could it be his dad? But according to the internet, it's his dad. Right. But I think this also just goes to show how uh, unclear the script is. I like, they didn't... That could have been in some version, maybe, that we find out it's his dad. That it's his biological dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I do like the bit, though, where we get to Sydney's kind of like, come on, I've heard this shit before. Just get on with it. Let's just do it. Like, she's kind of like, 
built up this resilience to these crazy people trying to kill her. And in the police station, right when she gets the phone call, and they take a close-up shot of the bulletproof vest, Mm -hmm. she's taking the bulletproof vest. Yeah, it's very... um like back to the well they you know he does it in back to the future three mm-hmm. but they see that in in back to the future two because he's seen clint eastwood do it but it's like that was a whole other movie ago not just like three scenes before <laughs> but yeah okay I, I mean and then when she they have their battle she gets the gun in the end shoots him his Oh, stabs him. She stabs him, doesn't she? In, like, the chest on the floor. I think she shoots him first, right? Yeah. And then she stabs him, like, to finish him off. Right. And... Then Dewey and, and then, Dale come. Right. But then she holds his hand to... Oh, like, as, as, he's, as he's dying. As he's dying, right. Well, yeah. And Sarah just air-quoted that, because obviously we know he's going to come back in a minute. But... Was that almost, do you think that was her way of being like, uh, like, I'm sorry, my mom abandoned you. You're still blood related to me. I'm going to hold your hand and let you die. I don't know. Yeah. It's over for you. You, it seems like you had a shitty life. Yeah. You came out of like, you were, you, you were born out of like a horrible situation, like a tragic situation uh, and then had no parents. Then you went psychotic and started murdering people. That's not overlook that, Ray- Roman, Raymond, whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> but I'll hold your hand for a second because you literally got like five seconds of life left. Um, but then he gets up because they always do. I'm <laughs> back. I do like it when Dewey's like emptying the clip into him, and he's like ah, <laughs> and then he shoots him in the head. When she's after she screams it, it's kind of like on Walking Dead. If you don't, if you don't kill them from the brain, they're not going to die. Right. And then he gets shot in the head. And then back to Sydney's for a movie. What kind of movie? Ah, whatever. With Patrick um, Dempsey. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey's there. It's all good. Right, because then, then I was like, leaves... oh, it's her love interest for the next movie. Right, never to be seen again. Yeah. Got Grey's Anatomy and was done with Scream. Yeah, it's like fuck this. I'm going to be an actor, and then and then uh, he that she leaves the door open, and that was our main thing. Is she feels secure? She's not scared anymore. And the fence too. She just let that swing open too. Yeah. And there you have it. Scream free. Did we did we hit everything that was in your notes? We did. Okay. Well then, That's the big thing. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Well, good. Okay. Well, then, before we go into a judgment section, oh, you have to do all the Dom parts now, Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and how could you not? Then check us out, ravenshoops.net. Why, Sarah? Because basketballs go through hoops. But yet they also go through nets. Ravenshoops.net. I'm so sorry making you do our promos. But see, I know them because I listen to everything. You do. Thank you. Do you do you think do you think you've listened to every every episode of our podcast? Do you think I, I always wonder, is there anybody that's actually heard everything? There are some movies I haven't, but I, I like I know I, I did listen to Mean Girls. 
Um, I did listen to Armageddon again. And how did it come that I, out? That I sent to people to listen to. Ah, oh, yes. Did you like the editing? I like took time to try and edit over some of the, like the the clips from the movie, like the sound bites. Yeah, no, I go, thought it was good with all the um, Bruce Willis stuff. Excellent. Line. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, I'd have Excellent. to look at Patreon. I definitely have listened to some of the movies. I don't think I've listened to everything, though. I did not listen yeah. to The Shining. That's no, okay. Manny just came out. Oh, and also Toy time. Meets World. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I wonder. I, I, I think Kat might have almost done it all. Maybe. Kat, let us know. I think she might have. But, well, yeah. Ravenshoops.net, there's all of our Patreon stuff on there. We've got some really exciting stuff coming that we'll announce soon. By well, by the time this has been out, we can announce. But we've got some exclusive Patreon-only merchandise that we're going to be doing. I'll show you one of the first design when we finish this, Sarah. I think you'll be into it. Sneak, sneak peek. Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll be into it. Um, we're actually going to getting rid of our merch store the only merch we're ever going to do from now on is only going to be limited edition like when it's gone it's gone and dom and i are actually going to go and print it ourselves ship it ourselves no third party anybody it's all going to be made with love from dom and i um and it's all going to be exclusive designs that are to do with the podcast so yeah coming soon but let's do let's do some judgments like how we normally would for a one tree hill episode without going too far into it but who who would you say your favorite performer was of the movie sarah i enjoyed um oh we said this is the the actress or actor not the mm-hmm. um i enjoyed parker posey yeah i thought she did a really good job playing her character jennifer playing gail especially when she was in the scenes with Gail. Yeah, I agree. She is really good. I, I'm finding it hard. I, like I, like I, I'm torn between her and between, uh, Nev Campbell. And I know she, like Nev Campbell didn't have as much screen time, but she, that's cause she I was only available for 20 days. <laughs> only available for 20. Yes. Excellent. But she, but the climax of the movie, she played it so well, like the vul- like the vulnerability and crying and then not crying and being heroic. Um, so yeah, it's between one of those. I'll go with I'll go with Nev so that we've got we've got one of each. Uh, what about your favorite character of the movie? My favorite character of this one, um, I think I'm gonna go with Roman. Okay. Just because. Tell us I why. Did, well, because like, h- however they did it, I never suspected him. Mm. And I remember the first time I saw it, like when he was in the freezer. I, I actually was like, okay, who killed him? Like I was like, oh, he's dead. This is bizarre. Like I thought, what's her name came back. The the Sydney actress came back and killed him. Um, right. But I thought he did a really good job because he was kind of normal in the beginning, but then sort of started getting a little cuckoo and crazy and then just went all out psycho mm-hmm. so yeah. Scott Foley had a good build up as Roman 
He did. He did. Yeah, I thought he was really good as well. Um, but I think I'll go with Parker Posey's character of Other Gale, right? Because uh, yeah. I thought she had... Yeah, exactly. She she had the like of she just had really good comedic beats, good timing. I thought she brought a good energy, like a light energy to, to the movie. It's kind of put it where it needed to be maybe. Um because if they played it super serious, I think it would have would have not been as good. It would have played it worse, you know. At least it was being kind of meta, I guess. Well, that's how that's why I thought it was sort of this one was more campy than the other ones. Yeah, Wes Craven said that after they shot like the final bit of principal photography, that all of the main cast came out in Scooby Doo outfits as a prank to be like, "Well, oh, this is like the Scooby Doo version of Scream." That's funny. Yeah. Did you have a favorite line? Nope. I watched it. I was waiting for something. I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I quite like the line just I just because I like the way it sounded when Ghostface calls Sydney and she's at the in Patrick Dempsey's office and it's like her repeating back like an echo on the phone and she's just like whoever it is oh that was at her house no well, I think it was at no because it was like right at the it was, she's like picks up the phone she's like hello and it's like hello hello you know that bit and then. She's like, whoever it is, do it, whoever, I can't hear you. And then it flips to Ghostface and he's like, I can hear you, Sydney. I thought like, I don't know, I just liked the switch. I was like, yeah, that, <laughs> Ghostface. That was when someone called pretending they were like a, someone who needed yes. help. And then she then she looked down, it was her home number and not the office number. Yes, yeah, yeah. That was when she was like, okay, I have to go now because I can't wait here. They know where I live kind of thing, I guess forgot that yeah. yeah no thank you we always say we'll catch it in judgments um did you have a favorite song no i did notice there was one playing when they first showed the um the studio where they were showing the movie where they were shooting the movie i was like oh this is a weird placement for a song but i don't even know what it was that there was quite a bit of creed in this movie and creed had done a song exclusively for the scream free soundtrack and then there was a creed poster that yeah. I in, in sydney's room and the yeah right it's like product placement okay so whatever creed song was that's <laughs> creed have just announced the comeback or like a comeback tour i just they're saw all it coming on... back creed in sync they're all coming back <laughs> they are they are i i had a really weird thought yesterday you can be the barometer of whether this is a good idea or a terrible idea i was listening to my music like on shuffle while like doing things around the house yesterday and nsync bye 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 came on classic tune right and i started thinking i've been really enjoying like editing little videos and stuff for the podcast like we just i just did like this trailer thing that we put on instagram loved it oh thank thank you um it's done really well. It's got like 10,000 views or something. So it's good for us. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying. The end. What's that? Sorry. Can't kill Dan Scott at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Threw that in. Were you, were you in the, I like 
took a random clip of one of our watch alongs. Were you in like the the boxes? I didn't I didn't pause it to check. Okay. Well, you were probably Usually I don't have my camera on cuz I'm eating. So or on the train or driving, who yeah. knows what you're doing. Uh, but I was I was listening to this to this NSYNC song and I the the final verse I was thinking, imagine if I like edited together to NSYNC bye 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 like Mouth and Millie and they're arguing and Millie leaving him for uh, for Owen and, like in time with the music like a music video and I was like is that a good idea? It feels like a good idea. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like a terrible idea. Probably would work. Okay, we'll see. I'll start it and see if it what if it's working or not. Maybe I'll send it to you first and tell me if it's an embarrassment or not. <laughs> um, I, the the score was really good in this one uh, as well. So it was the same guy that did the the score as the other Scream movies, whose name is Marco. Ah, oh, begins with B. What is it? Marco, I have to Google it. It's Marco. It begins with B. What do you think it is? Give me a guess. No, I, I couldn't even begin to guess. Marco Beltrami. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but yeah, he did the score. Uh, did the score, and there was another version of you know the song of my red right hand. Boom, that song. There was. They did another exclusive version of that just for scream free so can we that'll... point out because i just looked it up because i thought of this but i had to look it up jenny mccarthy was in scream three and she was also in scary movie three uh... she was in the spoof of the movie she was in perfect perfect oh. did you enjoy the I mean, they got ridiculous, didn't they, the scary movies? But the first and the second one that were done by the Waynes brothers, did you enjoy those when they came out? Yeah, I thought those were funny. Yeah, same. We should cut once we've finished the screams, we should cover those as contrast. I'm in on scary movie. Excellent. Okay, uh, then last but not least is the precious, precious rating. So we do it differently on movies. We have two ratings. One objective, one subjective. So your objective with your movie critic hat on, what would you give it out of 10? And then subjective, what it means to you, nostalgia, personal attachment out of 10. So what would be your, let's start with subjective. What's your out of 10 for your personal attachment? Five. Okay. (laughs) Doesn't mean that much. No, I I think the first two do more than this one. This one definitely. What? This one definitely has drop off for me. I'm just like, mm. I mean, I do enjoy all seeing the young versions of all these actors who are like big and famous now. Um, but nah. I'm not. What about you? Um, uh, movie critically, I mean, compared to the first two, I'm gonna say six. Okay. Yeah, I think six. That's fair. Slightly above average, but it's not setting the world on fire. And not bad when you consider all of the issues that it had that were out of the control. Your lead protagonist in the movie you only have for 20 days. 
the the script is being rewritten on the day the internet is messing up who the killer is and trying you know sort of taking any of the the steam steam away they weren't even able to play the movie for test audiences because they were scared that people would put on the internet who the killers are it makes sense i guess back then it's more of a bigger thing than it is now Right, because now that just happens instantly and people just more... I think the culture now is if you don't want to be spoiled about something, you just don't Google it. I mean, now it's like they release a movie in the movie theater and and 24 hours later, someone has already uploaded it to the internet. (laughs) Right, the whole movie is... (laughs) Yeah, sometimes even before. You know when there's like Oscar screeners and stuff where they send... Yeah, and like that's crazy. What are your ratings? Oh, thank you, Sarah. Because Dom, Dom famously used to always forget to ask. I had to train it into him. <laughs> um, he's good now. But yeah, uh, so subjectively, personally, I'd probably say it's like a seven. I, like just because I had good memories of watching it with my dad. So it, it like reminds me of him. So that's nice. And then objectively i think i'd agree with your six i think that's fair um it, it i think it could have i think it would have been way better and sort of parallel with scream 2 if they'd had uh nev campbell for the for the whole time if the script had been succinct from the beginning if they were able to make it more violent um you know so it wasn't it was more in line with the first two yeah, I think it would have been up there. I think it was just unfortunate circumstances. But I can tell you that Scream 3 was Miramax's biggest ever opening weekend for a movie. And did you look up financially of all the movies where this one, where 3 falls in the, like, how much it makes? How much it makes? That's fine. Let's find out. <laughs> I, did, I knew that part. Um. Well, wow! I can tell you all together, the Scream movies. I mean, there's six of them now, but they've grossed over nine hundred million. Um. So that's pretty. Here it says good. So the first one made one seventy three. Scream two one seventy two. It's good. Then they have five and four. They don't even have three here. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Scream free. Made a hundred and sixty-one point eight. So it made less, but I forget, but I think it must have made more than the other two in the first weekend. Well, you know, I like must have had a higher first weekend and then like a drop off. For next year, when we do Scream Four, that one only made ninety-five. Ooh. So that one was the lowest. I wonder if it's that they maybe they brought it back too early. They say in that. So there's 11 years between Scream 3 and Scream 4. That's a substantial amount of time, you know, over a decade. Yeah, because also your audience is is a now aging. So like so like the kids who are watching it in the 90s and even 2000 by the time it comes out in 2011 they're like adults with like little toddlers so now you have to find a new audience to watch scream four who probably didn't see one through three right yeah you got to make it 
like uh respect the legacy characters but also be able to stand on its own you don't have to have seen the other three films to get it right which is kind of like what they'd like <laughs> bring it back to jurassic park uh like jurassic world could function like that you don't have to know about jurassic park right but if well, you ironically do, you i only know jurassic it. park i don't even know jurassic world <laughs> you haven't seen it no. but jurassic I think, park I have. right well that's like a top three movie of all time but Ju- jurassic world i mean some people it gets mixed reviews i think i mean it's critically it made over a billion uh dollars so obviously successfully financially but um but yeah, but I think it worked. That's I'm saying that's an example of IP that there was maybe there was a longer gap of time. The Jurassic Park three, I think, was early two thousands, was it? Yeah, so they're probably a similar kind of gap. So they're looking for an entire new audience, right? Well, technically, they gave the movie a new name. Scream just is still Scream. Yeah, and. and they, Scream 5 and Scream 6. Scream 5 was so successful, they made Scream 6 within a year. Yep. So maybe, you know, that, like, that obviously did well. Um, and obviously, that's rest another, in peace. That's another whole generation from 2011 to 20... When did the other one come out? Like 2021 or 2020? That's like 10 years later also. Yeah, I think it came out in like lockdown sort of times, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like those are movies. I, I saw Scream. I remember, like, I remember seeing Scream One and Scream Two in the movie theater. Scream Three, I don't remember seeing the movie theater. I'm sure I did because I was like right out of college. But like, I'm not going in 2011 and 2020 to go watch Scream movies at my age now. So mm. they definitely need they needed to adjust to the generation that they were trying to get. That's true. I, I think I watched both of the recent screens uh, on like home premiere, you know, on like Amazon prime where you pay like 15 pound or whatever, but it's still at the cinema, but you can watch it at home. Yeah. Um, because I tried to get Ebony to go with me for scream to the cinema for the new ones. And she's like, I don't want to waste like a babysitting night on Scream, you know? Yeah, that's so that's they need to figure out who's going to watch it in the movie theater because it's not us. Mm, that's true. But Jenna Ortega is uh, like the she's, main. She's a draw. Yeah, she's a draw now, particularly with like all of the Wednesday. Yeah. Is there going to be a Scream 7? Is that happening? Uh, po- quite possibly. You never know. Let's see. Scream 7. Well, is there going to be a Scream 7? Yes. Yes, there is. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. Scream 7. Wow, this is less than a month. This is three weeks ago. Scream 7 is officially happening. Wow. But there's been a big change behind the scenes of the movie. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but it's they literally just announced it. So, Because that also makes sense because you've got Scream 1, 2, and 3... Then there was a gap, Scream 4. Obviously, like you just said, it didn't do the numbers they thought they were going to do. So they left it for another like eight or nine years. And then they've done two more. So it makes sense they do one more. So it's like a trilogy. So you've got like two trilogies and one in the middle. Crappy one in the middle. (laughs) Right. 
I'm going to say it now because I'm going to watch it next year for Halloween. I don't remember Scream 4. And you don't, do you not remember who the killer was? Yeah, I'm sure when I when I start watching it, because I did watch them all last year. Like I did a marathon with my son. So I'm sure when I start okay. watching it, I'll remember. But like, I don't remember it at all. Okay. It's kind of like early iPhones, like the killers using iPhones is what I remember about it. Yeah. And uh, Seth from the OCs in it. Oh, Adam Brody. Yes. Okay. And Anthony and Anthony Anderson. It's like one it, of the, it's like vaguely coming back to me. One of the Colkins is in it. Yeah. Um Yeah, well. I, okay, Hayden Panettiere is in it. Okay, now I remember. It's coming back. I saw Hayden okay. Panettiere, then I realized it and Rory Culkin, yeah. Well, that will be the next one Scream for uh, what would be great, well, is if we could. I mean, I think we did we did one at Halloween. I think the other one we did was actually in like April or something for Scream Two. I'm not 100 oh, percent sure. Scream Two was the Sunday before Halloween. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. That I remember. That was last year. Scream One might okay. have been earlier, but then I think you released it near Halloween. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it'd be cool if we could get up to date so that when Scream 7. 7 comes out, we could cover it, like, when it comes out. Like, as in, I wouldn't force you to go to the cinema to watch it, but maybe when it's on, like, home premiere or on Dom's dodgy website or something, we would never do that. We would pay. Um, but, yes, it should say as well is, uh, obviously, rest in peace to Wes Craven. Uh, he... I think he did four, didn't he? But then I think he did do four. Had already he did, yeah, he, did. he made a cameo in four. Okay, so yeah. To stick himself someplace in his movies. Yeah, I like that. I would do that too. Like if not like how Quentin Tarantino does, where he like gives himself like an actual speaking role, but just in the background or just being the clerk at the cinema or something. I would definitely do that. Have you have you ever like cameoed on on your show? Like, have you ever been on camera? Not. Oh, I was on Drew because only because my daughter did a segment on um, in season one, and they just took a shot of me in the control room, like waving, like, "Oh, there's Haley's mom." Um, I was cool. on the first. When I so when I worked at um, Rosie, which was the, my first job, we used to do like Christmas um, numbers that we would dance and sing in. So I that's what I did on my first show. The second show I worked on, they had me do nine oh two one oh trivia against Shannon Dor. Oh yeah. The third show I worked on, they had me come out and when Holly Robinson Pete was on because I was a big Twenty One Jump Street fan. So they had me come out and talk to her about Twenty One Jump Street. And then I think that was it for my appearances until I like I waved on Drew because I'm like, I'm done. I'm behind the scenes, not in front of the camera. That's cool. Super cool. It also reminds me of uh, F and I just caught up on the morning show and I just keep saying to her, I'm like, this is Sarah's life. Mm. But hopefully not as not as dramatic. Are you up to date on the morning show? I didn't see this season yet. Oh, it's crazy. But things have definitely changed since I... That was more my life, like, when I started. Things have changed since then. I'm good. 
Good. Good, good, good. Well, I hope that people enjoyed this episode of Scream Free. I enjoyed it. Sarah, thank you so much for doing this with me. Sorry we went off topic. Sorry we went off topic. (laughs) Oh, uh, people know that that's what we do here i think that's okay that's a given but thank you for doing this with me uh you know if if you if you had dropped out too it would have just been you were talking just to me <laughs> just talking to myself but um i knew that you'd be here i didn't even have to remind you and or let's, message let's you. tell the listeners how it started how what started scream how, no how the zoom started Oh, right. Yeah. So it started with uh, just Ghostface staring me at the camera, which I thought was Sarah dressed up as Ghostface. And I thought, oh, this is fun. This is nice. And then just wasn't talking. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? I'm actually going to get murdered because they have a knife, a real knife, which was Sarah's son that now I'm worried is going to come and hunt me down and kill me. I took a picture of him sitting at the computer. I'm going to send it to you because it was really funny. (laughs) You can use it to promote the show. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I love it. That's great. I love it. What is what is your what does your family think of like this you being on the podcast and doing like a scream podcast, some random guy? No, they think it's they they're like, Oh, are you talking to the boys again? Are you listening (laughs) to the boys? That's good. I love it. Excellent. Uh, anything to be referred to as a boy at 36, I'll take <laughs> some youth, you know. Well, I go for walks and I listen to podcasts. I mean, I have other podcasts because yours I'm like caught up to every week. And then they're like, oh, who are you walking with today? The boys? <laughs> no, I already I listened like to them. I'm listen, moving on to the next podcast. I love that. I do it too. I love, I love podcasts. But I, I will also uh, say people listen to the DVD commentaries. It's such like a... It's basically a dead a dead thing now, like because no one buys DVDs, and when you stream something, there's no extras. Like if you watch something on Disney Plus or Netflix, there's no deleted scenes, there's no DVD uh, director's commentary. Sad. Yeah, it's kind of like a lost, uh, not art, but it's such like because now no one buys. Yeah, no one buys DVDs anymore. But those ones for Scream are on YouTube for the first three anyway. I'm not sure if there's one. I don't think there is one for Scream 4. I might be wrong. But check them out. Sarah, thank you so much. Well, how are we going to end this? <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had the voice changer here. Yeah. I. Well, I don't think... Can you do a Ghostface voice? I don't think so. I can We're not doing before. This is, we're not really, we're not the voices people. This is Dom's job. <laughs> okay, well, should we just, can we just, we just do Ravens on free. We'll just do our own Ravens. Just keep it, keep it moving. And then I'm going to show you this artwork, so don't leave. But thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sarah. Scream 4 soon. We're going to do Ravens on free. One, two, three. The Ravens. 